Morning folks, welcome, a very warm welcome to you this morning. If you want to find a seat, please, we're going to try and start. That would be wonderful. Isn't it great to gather together on a beautiful, fresh morning like this morning? I wonder what you come with in terms of an expectation of this morning. You know, some of us gather to pray before the meeting. And by the way, you're always welcome to join us. Everybody's welcome to join us just down there at 10 past 10. And a couple of the people this morning had this sense that um, uh, for some people here, you're feeling like you're in a place of great darkness. And Jesus, the light of the world, wants to come and shine his light into that place of great darkness and bring all that he brings. Uh, Jesus, light of the world, bringer of peace, bringer of hope, bringer of light. <laughs> and shine his light in and as he shines his light in as he reveals himself to us that strengthens us and helps us to uh, take uh, steps towards him and so this morning maybe you need an encounter with Jesus today you may not even know Jesus yet well I can assure all of us because the Bible tells us this is he loves to encounter us and so as we gather this morning as we come together to worship him to read of his word to spend time together with each other I want to encourage us let's expect to encounter Jesus this morning and uh, so we're going to have the, the band Ben and the band are going to lead us in worship if you've got something to encourage us and strengthen us and help us Maybe it's a Bible reading or a prayer or a word from God. Please come and find me. I'll be down here at the front uh, so we can give you a mic so you can share uh, that. Um, and let's enjoy God together this morning. Let's stand, please. And uh, Ben, if you can take on from here. Good morning, everybody. It's fantastic to see you all this morning. Do stand if you're willing and able, and we will start this time of worship together. Coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms. 
Thank you for this opportunity this morning, Lord, to come before you and acknowledge who you are, Lord, who you are, the creator of the universe, of everything. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your sovereignty, Lord, that we can look to you, we can trust you in every situation. And Lord, we want to just praise and thank you this morning and glorify you. Thank you, Lord.
Yes, Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, as we send the children and young people out now, we really pray your blessing upon them as they spend time together uh, looking at your word.
raise the voices now. just stay standing if you're able to. Right at the beginning I mentioned how a couple of people praying before the meeting had a word about God wanting to meet people in a dark place, in a dark tunnel where there was no light. And uh, I just want to, we've been seeing hallelujah, God reigns. There's a revelation God's wanting to bring that he is all powerful this morning and he's able to reach into each and every situation we are in right the way across this room and in that context I'd love Sarah just to come and share a word she felt God gave her this morning hello everybody last sun, last weekend I was out walking in Alice Holt and I saw a huge tree and it had been taken down probably in a storm and you could see all the roots at the bottom and somebody I was with pointed out look that tree has gone down, but it's still alive. Um, and then on Tuesday, I was out walking with the dog, and I saw another tree in the wood near home, and this one had gone down in a similar way, just as big, but there were little shoots on it, and there were green leaves, and it definitely was living. And as I was praying about it, I thought, it's not a coincidence that I've seen this happen twice. And I think sometimes in circumstances in life, we feel as though we're completely knocked down. Something happens, sometimes out of the blue, perhaps an illness, a big disappointment, a loss, a bereavement. We've all had them. Um, but we don't need to do anything. God knows. And he will restore us and bring back that life again. And there's a verse in Job that just backs this up it says it's in job 14 it said at least there is hope for a tree if it is cut down it will sprout again and its new shoots will not fail its roots may grow old in the ground and its stump die in the soil yet at the sense of water it will it will bud and put forth put, put forth shoots like like plants Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. So it feels like God's wanting to speak to us this morning. And you may be in that place where you feel your tree's been taken out. Maybe it feels like there's almost no hope and it's black. Jesus is wanting to reach in today, breathe in his life, his light, bring his water. And amazing how a tree comes back to life, even one where there's been massive loss in your life, maybe. Or a sense of loss or grief in your life and so we're going to continue in our worship but if that's you why don't you reach out to God where you are and ask him to come do just that you know the reason he speaks to us in these ways is because he wants to encounter us and to help us in this journey called life and so uh, later on there'll be an opportunity for prayer ministry as well and others can come and pray with you but let's just do this as an individual response at this point if we continue our worship, please.
doors of our hearts and lives say come and dwell in us Lord <laughs> come and be glorified in us come and be glorified through us thank you you bring hope you bring joy you bring peace we're so grateful Lord oh man oh man please take your seat if you're able to that'd be great Evan do you want to come and join me uh, we've got Evan's going to come and share a testimony now. It's always great to hear stories of how God's been working in somebody's life. And so, Evan, we're thrilled to have you. Let's just welcome him. This is a big thing to do. So, uh, good to have you. There you go. Thank you. Um, my, my name is Evan. To those who don't know me, I'm Joyce's son. And um, I'm here to share a testimony of what God has done in my life and also my mum getting on to me to share it, so thank you for putting me on the spot. Um, so I've been playing football for ever since, ever since I was a little ever since I was a little kid, as long as I can remember. Um, it's the one thing I loved, and but it was really hard when I was little um, financially. My mum couldn't afford for me to 
play for a club, so I just played for fun at the park and stuff. And then when we moved from London to Alton, um, when I joined Alton, I still couldn't afford him. I couldn't afford playing for Alton, but because they liked me as a person and a player, they um, let me play without paying. So when I look back, that was really nice of them, and it was good for my development. And also, the, my teammates and their parents would always drive me to like games and training sessions because my mum didn't drive at the time. So after I left Alton, I um, joined my local district, Aldershot Schools, played there for about two years, and then joined the county, played for the, for the county for Hampshire. And after I played for the county, I got scouted by Bournemouth um, under 15. And after a successful trial, they signed me. But when I got signed, I got a bit arrogant. Um, I focused on the blessing rather than the blesser. And um, I got a bit of a reality check. I got released at the end of the season, which hurt my pride a lot. Like I boasted to everyone at my school, the you know, Premier League team. I was really happy, but when I got released, it really hurt me. And so after I got released, I um, went on trials at Oxford, Colchester, Wimbledon, three times in a row, um, got rejected. So it was a bit of a hard stage. This was when I was in year 10, 11 at Eggers. And at this time, I still hadn't um, applied for a college because being a footballer is what I wanted to do. And all my teachers were telling me, you need a plan B, you need a plan B, you know, you need to, you need something um, for after year 11. But I still didn't apply for college. My mum was getting concerned, you know. Um, but I just had a feeling that, you know, things would work out. I was just determined to be a footballer. And then towards the end of year 11, my agent um, said that um, Coventry are looking for a player. And um, I had a trial at Coventry. Went up there, wasn't really expecting anything. Just said, I'm just going to go there, have fun, just, just do the trial. And at the end of the trial, they offered me a two-year scholarship, um, which I was really pleased about. And, um, but in my first season, I was a bit scared because I'm the new kid, you know, everyone has been at Coventry for, for years, so I was scared that I wasn't going to play, um, so I was telling that to my agent, and he said, don't worry, just, just see what happens. And in my first season, I played every game, didn't miss a game, I was 16 at the time, and at the end of the season, I got called up for the under-23s, because um, they were in the national semi-final, and I was on the bench, and at half-time, they were losing. And then the coach pulls me at halftime at Coventry Stadium saying that you're coming on. And um, I'm not saying they won because I came on at halftime, but we, <laughs> we won. And I, um, we went through to the, the final and um, the coach pulled me and said, I'm starting in the final. I was the youngest player on the pitch. It was a great achievement. And then we won the national final. And this was in my first season at Coventry as a scholar. And to make matters better, um, I was on the train home and my agent called me and said, um, Austria, the national team, called him and they want me to, to fly over to Austria to represent the country internationally. And when I, when I heard this, I was, I was so surprised. You know, I was on the train, I looked out, I just looked at the clouds and I just, I just thanked God. And I learned from my mistake when I was at Bournemouth and I focused on the blesser instead of the blessing. And I was just, I was just so happy. And then in my second season in a, as a scholar, you know, I do what all humans do, doubt and worry again. And because I played for the under 18s, I, I wanted to play for the under 23s and um, I was scared that I wasn't going to play because there was a lot of players and it turned out I played nearly every game for the under 23s as a second year scholar. 
And then at the end of my scholarship, um, they tell you if they're going to release you or if they're going to offer you a professional contract. So my scholarship ended and um, my mum came up to commentary with me for my meeting. And they offered me a professional contract. And in my age group, I was the only one who got offered a professional contract. They all got released. And I looked back and, you know, I was scared that they had favouritism for all the, the players that had been there for a long time. And because I was a new kid, that it'd be hard for me. But I was the only one who got offered a professional contract and when I look back um, it reminds me of the Bible verse you know the first shall be last and the last shall be first and <laughs> and um, it also reminds me that with man it's impossible but with God all things are possible when I look back at you know my journey not being able to afford football boots and my mom not being able to drive me to training and I've moved out from Morton. I live in Coventry. I live in my own apartment, and I'm able to support my mum as well. And I just have to give glory to God for everything. So yeah. Chris, pray for this man. Yeah. Don't reach out your hand. I'll lead us, but join me in praying for it. Father, we do want to thank you for a journey of faith and of lessons learnt in you. And we ask for your blessing on Evan as he takes up this professional contract with Coventry. Bless him, Lord, with uh, great intimacy with you and your Holy Spirit. Continue to lead him and guide him and direct him. Bless him what he does with his football and that he would be a blessing and a witness there in uh, Coventry, Father God. And Lord, put your spirit on him now. Even now, fill him afresh with your Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, be his best friend. Keep him humble, keep him close to you. Almighty God, we ask in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. 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 Bless you. Well done, mate. <laughs> Isn't it lovely to hear stories of faith, right? Uh, can I just check? Mark, youth are now going out, is that right? Yes. Delta. Yeah. Delta, it's time to go. As Delta head out, I would love us to uh, pray again. I think the last uh, eight days in the world uh, have been just uh, shocking. Uh, and many of us may have felt quite numb by what's happened in Israel and Gaza. And of course, you know, that's not the only conflict which is going on in the world today. We still have war in Ukraine. And uh, I think it'd be great for us just to pause at this point and pray for our world. So can I invite you, if you're able, to stand? And what we'll do is let's raise our voices together. You may think, I don't know how to pray. Pray for the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Pray for the politicians. Pray for uh, that there wouldn't be an escalation. You can pray for those things. If you don't know anything else, pray, God, would you pour out your blessing on these lands and these nations? And then uh, I'll lead us in prayer in a couple of moments. Let's lift our voices together and let's reach out to God and pray for our world. Thank you, Father.
God of all justice, we turn to you. You're where our help comes from. And we bring uh, these uh, situations in our world and many others, Lord, which are going on, where there's war, where there's acts, great acts of injustice. And sovereign God, we come to you and we say, Lord, would you act? Would you bless the peacemakers that... Uh, try to uh, broker and work through these issues and bring uh, good, right resolutions to these situations. Oh God, would you bless and protect those in the middle of these situations? We pray, God, would you save many? Would you protect all? Lord Jesus. Would you be revealed in all your glory? Lord, we don't know how on earth this works out, but we know you're the mighty God of all heaven and earth. And we trust you. So we bring these things to you and say, God, would you uh, work miracles in our midst? Would you bring about peace, Lord God, in our midst, uh, of, in, in our world, Father God? In Jesus' most precious name and for your glory. Let's say it all together. Amen. 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 And Rob's now going to bring God's word to us. Good morning. So today we're continuing our series of Jesus and, and we're going to be looking at Jesus and riches. I thought we'd start with a question. Do you remember when you were a child, anything your parents would say to you about money and riches? So I had to think about this and I thought there are several phrases that would crop up in our family, sometimes at mealtimes or sometimes different conversations we had. And here are a few that um, I remember. So money does not grow on trees. Yeah? Don't play games with money. Don't accept money from strangers. My mum often used to say, money doesn't buy happiness. And when I was a bit silly with money, this is what I was told, a fool and his money are soon parted. That hurt. So maybe some of us were told too, there are some things in the world you cannot buy with money. Love, personality, friends. And all these things are probably sensible and wise, certainly in the world's eyes, but in my home, and maybe yours too, there wasn't much said about how God saw money and riches. It was a subject that was sadly never really spoken about at home. I wonder if your parents really talked to you about money, riches, and serving God. So my guess is that even in Christian homes, many people grew up not having really understood the truth in God's world about riches, and didn't really know what Jesus had to say about riches, about wealth, and about how that would be part of our relationship with God. And when I became a Christian, I was taught about giving to God by the Christian Union and by my church, and I felt really strongly that I should be looking at this more deeply. And I happened to attend a, a Christian conference about mission overseas, and I was struck by what God had said through one speaker, whose name was Joe Laville. He was working in the Philippines. And I sensed that God really wanted me to give him some money for his work before I left that conference. 
So the question I was asking God was, well, God, how much do you want me to give Joe? And I was worried about having enough money as a student. And also I wanted to use it wisely because some of that money was money that my parents were giving to me. And you think, I've got to use this properly. But God showed me that the how much is not as important as being open and listening to him. Hearing what God says about riches. And I believe that God showed me that the how much is not so important. God seemed to be more interested in me not being controlled by money and being ready to respond as he guided me. I think Joe was as surprised as I was when he found an envelope shoved under his door. But God had begun to help me to see how important it was to see money and riches through his eyes, not through my worldly view. So let's just consider what God says about riches in his word. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. It'll be on the screen there for you. Because Jesus shows us very clearly the differences between treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So in this passage, Jesus defines two ways of understanding riches. Temporary treasures on earth or eternal treasures in heaven. And he uses really strong language. He knows this is vital to our lives as riches can so easily spoil or even destroy our walk with God. And he shows us two important things. Firstly, he shows us that treasures on earth are temporary materialistic, limited. Our riches that we may store up are not going to last forever, even if we don't devote ourselves to looking after them well. We see in these verses moths, rust, robbers. Have you ever lost riches or maybe you've been robbed at different times? I was thinking back, there were twice times when people broke into my house. And once was in the Congo, once was in the UK. And when I lived in the Congo, thieves broke in when I was out one day and took most of my belongings, which were very difficult to replace, not only because of money, but because they just weren't around. But, you know, the thing that really upset me was looking at the way people lived around me in a small village where they had very little, but they stepped up and gave me lots of things that I really needed at that time. And it helped me to focus on what is truly important in our lives. Our family and friends, but even more, our relationship with the Lord. 
And the second thing Jesus talks about is that treasures in heaven are eternal. Isn't it great? He says there are no robbers in heaven. And there is no decay. There is no destruction. Everything is perfect. There is no place for possessions and our riches. Our joy and our wonder at being in God's presence forever will be all we need. Nothing more, nothing less. What does, why does Jesus say it is difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven? Quite simply because wealth and treasures, riches, can capture our hearts. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money leads, hearts follow, our heart, is all, our heart always goes where we put God's money. That's really powerful, isn't it? We can so easily allow money, riches, possessions to begin to control our lives and control us as people. And I thought back, you know, you think about various people who've been very rich, Tutankhamun, the most powerful pharaoh probably, he was expected to have huge wealth, huge amounts of possessions. But what happened when he died? He was buried with his solid gold chariots, hundreds of golden artifacts, gold tombs within gold tombs. It was estimated he was buried with over three tons of gold. Convert that into today's money, that's about 150 million pounds in today's money. He believed in an afterlife, but he thought he could take his treasure with him. Another king, King Solomon. If you look at King Solomon's riches in 2 Chronicles 9, they are enormous. He must have been one of the richest men to ever live. But look at what he says in Ecclesiastes about wealth. King Solomon, with all his money, said, If you love money, you will never be satisfied. If you long to be rich, you will never get all you want. It is useless. The richer you are, the more mouths there are to feed. All you gain is the knowledge that you are rich. Workers may or may not have enough to eat. Sorry, I forgot that. Yes, that's right. Sorry, I thought I turned over the wrong page. Workers may not have enough to eat, but at least they can get a good night's sleep. The rich, however, has so much that they stay awake worrying. And we leave this world just as we entered it, with nothing. In spite of all our work, there is nothing we can take with us. Strong words from a king who was really aware of his riches, but also aware of God's riches. Sounds like he was having a really bad day, doesn't it, when he wrote that? But read it carefully, and we see that he has fully recognised the futility of being rich and wealthy. Wealth and riches may bring happiness for a short time, but living in a materialistic way doesn't bring happiness. And how often do we read about people in the press who have significant amounts of money and possessions and live a ridiculous lifestyle, but never find happiness? But worse than that, money and riches can become a barrier a barrier to entering the kingdom of God. There's a small book called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, and he emphasizes God 
wants our hearts. God isn't just looking for people to donate to his kingdom. God is looking for disciples immersed in the causes they give to. God wants people so filled with a vision for eternity that they would not dream of not investing their money, time and prayers where they matter most. He who lays up treasure in heaven looks forward to eternity. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. Our heart always goes where we put God's money. So we're reminded, aren't we, that wealth on earth cannot compare to the treasures of heaven. In order to gain heavenly treasure as we follow Jesus, we need to be prepared to forgo temptations on earth. And we need to be ready to help others by giving and helping those in need rather than storing up wealth. You know, I don't know about you, but I often forget that we can make a huge difference to the lives of others if we're prepared to let God have control of our lives. He can make the difference. We need to remember where our true citizenship lies. I was thinking about when Clem travelled to England with me after our wedding and she chose to give up her citizenship in the Congo because she wasn't allowed to have British citizenship and Congo citizenship at the same time. And if she didn't take up British citizenship, she couldn't enter the UK. She chose to give up her citizenship so we could be together. That was a big decision. And it demonstrated her commitment to me. But just think about in Christ. In Christ, we must be prepared to choose to give up our earthly temporal life so that we can have a new citizenship that God has given us. A new citizenship isn't just of another country, but eternal citizenship of heaven so that we can be with God, with Jesus forever in the most wonderful place. So let's just turn to 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 7 to 19. And Timothy is quite strong with these words. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And when we start thinking about the way in which we behave and the way in which individualism seems to say that money belongs to us, we need to think about what the Bible says. Tim Keller wrote, the Bible says that all your money belongs to God, who then entrusts it to you. And you have moral obligations to both God and your neighbour to use your money unselfishly and with great generosity to love others with it, according to both your ability and their needs. But somehow we just seem to find that difficult at times. There seem to be barriers and hold, things that hold us back from giving as we know we should. One of those barriers to real generosity is fear. I don't know whether you've ever felt that fear. If I give away 
what I have, will I be okay? Will I still have a good life? Will I still be able to look after my family? Can I manage to give to God? Do I have to? Let's turn that around. Really, what do we have to lose by being generous in the Lord? Timothy, in that passage we just read, talks about pride and haughtiness, trusting in impermanent, uncertain things. Does that sound wise? But we can always trust God. God will not let us down. And just look at what we have to gain in God. God's rich provision for my enjoyment so we can enjoy life with God together. Treasure stored up in him, a good foundation for the future, the ability to take hold of that which is truly life. And another barrier is a misunderstanding of wealth and money according to what God says. You know, as we start at the beginning, we know probably what people say about wealth and money, but what does God say? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear that inner voice. I've earned this money through hard work, my hard work. It's mine. I can choose how I live. And that is true, but what do we gain from that way of living? So we need to be continuing to seek a way of living which is true to God's word and will be pleasing to him. So it's really looking at what God means by true riches. What does God see as true riches? Our relationship with God is a true rich that God gives to us. Our relationship with people that he has given to us that surround us. Those we love, family, friends, people in church. God wants to see us enjoying being generous, being generous to God. Sharing the gospel by showing love to others in practical ways. You know, I love the way that Harvest Church is so good at giving to help others. You may not have been in many churches, but I can tell you there are a number of churches which are not good at giving to help others, which is sad. But let's continue to be a church that is renowned for helping others. Let's continue supporting others less fortunate than ourselves so they can know God's love for them in a real way. We need to be careful not to join the world's view that often seems to blame people who struggle rather than supporting people in need. So really it comes to thinking about our mindset of generosity. And that's, that's a lot to do with the way we've been brought up, things that have happened in our lives, things that have affected us, impacted on us, as to what our mind really sort of has been tuned into in terms of generosity. And there are perhaps four different things we need just to think about in that way. Because God wants to take away a mindset that is fearful. If we have a mindset that worries about finance. If we feel reluctant to give. And instead of that mindset, God wants to provide each of us with a mindset of generosity. So let's think about it. It's a mindset that sees giving as a blessing that anticipates God's provision and doesn't fear lacking. It's really important that we see that and understand how God is moving. And a mindset of, the, of generosity that trusts 
that God will provide for us when we provide for others. If I'm giving to others, God will provide for me. A mindset that looks for opportunities to give and rejoices in providing for others. It's not looking to say, I'll give only a little bit because that's all I can afford. But it's us saying, what is this opportunity? What is God giving to me? What opportunity is God giving to me? And we can rejoice in providing for others. And also a mindset that ultimately results in a happier, fuller life, rooted in the belief that there is always enough because that is what God has promised us. And God's promises never fail. So let's just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's a few verses here which I think, again, are really important for us. Remember that the person who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. You should each give then as you have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty. For God loves the one who gives gladly or gives cheerfully. And God is able to give you more than you need. So you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. As the scripture says, he gives generously to the needy. His kindness lasts forever. In verse 11, he will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times. That's a promise. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts which they receive from us. Our God is big. Our God is generous. Our God knows every one of our needs. Our God is always there for each of us. Never lets us down. Our God uses each of us to build his kingdom. He chooses to work through us, through you and me. Have you noticed that God never demands what we give? He never demands how we serve. But he loves to work with us day by day. Friends, we need to understand wealth through God's eyes. Because he longs to share his riches with us. And he has so much in store for his people. So really it's all about our hearts. It's all about our hearts. Let's ask God to give us a heart which is his heart. So that we can be close to him. We can be obedient to him in all that we do. So we can continue through joyful giving to see the growth of his kingdom day by day. So perhaps for some of us it's time to reset our minds. To have a godly view of wealth. To hear what God is saying about money and riches. And maybe God is speaking to us because we may need to repent of a mindset that is not of God. Maybe we need to seek God's forgiveness for in some ways being self-focused rather than God-focused. Maybe some of us find it difficult to believe that God is in control and they will never miss out by being generous to others. 
So let's ask God to show us how we can please him in the way we deal with money and riches. I'm going to pray for us as a group, but also if you feel that God has really been speaking to you today and you feel that you really want some help in just knowing how to deal with these issues, how to focus on God in terms of money, riches, then do please come down to the front later so we can pray with you. And then you'll be able to handle money and wealth as God desires. But let's just pray as a, a group, first of all. Father God, we do want to please you in terms of the way we deal with money and riches and possessions. We don't want to just please ourselves. We want to make sure that we are walking with you. Please show us how we can be generous. Please show us how we can continue to be generous to others around us. Show us those who need our help, Lord. Show us those who need something just to make their life a bit easier and help us, Lord, to reach out to them. Lord, we pray that you would give us that new mindset, Lord, so we understand far better, Lord, what you are seeing in terms of wealth and riches. Speak to us, we pray, Lord, that you can reset our minds, that you can show us a different way to be thinking, Lord, not the world's way, but to be thinking in your way about our own lifestyles, riches, wealth, money, so we can be pleasing to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Andrew's going to uh, speak to us now. Brilliant, Rob. Thank you so much. Wow, there was <laughs> an awful lot in there. And uh, I'm sure different bits spoke to different ones of us about all sorts of aspects. Of course, we're not just uh, wealthy and rich financially. We can be wealthy and rich in other ways as well our time, our energy, our food, our homes, our hospitality, uh, that every aspect of our lives where we have, we can share. And I just want to encourage us to think broadly in that sense. And that's why, uh, as part of our gift week, we produce this card, which is on every other seat in the auditorium. So if you haven't got one or you haven't had one uh, and you can't find one, look under your neighbour's seat and steal it before they manage to get it. That's called sharing. Um, no, please, please get one off somebody near you, wherever that may well be. Um, and the idea behind this card is for our gift week this, this week, which we're just coming to the end of today, we wanted to create many different ways for people to be able to respond, financially being one of them, but actually there's others where we can serve and help one another, for example. We can give financially, we can commit to growing in prayer and giving of our prayers for others. Uh, we can participate and be involved in community. There's lots of different ways in which we can respond. And on the back of the card, you'll see lots of different boxes you can tick. It's a, there's a name and a, a contact email, date and phone number, if you're able to put those in as well. That would be really helpful. That will serve us to serve you. What we'd like to do, though, is encourage most, if not all of us who are part of Harvest Church to consider filling this in and to making this part of your offering today. And uh, some have already done that last week. Some uh, hopefully even took this away last week and brought it back and remember to bring it back this week. 
and you're ready uh, to do that. But there are pens under every other seat, so you can even grab a pen now and start to fill it in and think about it. Uh, I do just want to talk about the financial one, just for a moment, just so we know where we're heading and what we're about. Um, this gift week, which we're in the middle of, um, is uh, targeted about uh, three things we want to use our gift week for. We want to give 10% of it towards a fund which we will use to support international mission. And uh, so that's that first tithe, that tenth will go for that purpose. There will be a second tithe or tenth which we will want to put into a fund to enable um, significant works when required on this building to happen. I'm not talking about the general everyday stuff of carpeting and decor and things like that, but we're aware that the building is coming of an age where there will be some big items of repair in due course. Um, uh, you know, it is relatively warm in here, that's because we have good boilers at the moment. Uh, they are now, uh, whatever it is, 18 years old, one day they will stop working and uh, when they need replacing we'll probably need to find 50,000 a boiler or something like that to replace them. Uh, or, or I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but something like that. And so, you know, uh, having a fund to do that is really helpful. But the vast majority of our gift week, the other 80% is going to reduce our mortgage. Now, our mortgage was taken out um, 18, 20 years ago when we bought this building and converted it into this amazing centre which serves us and our community so incredibly well. And uh, over the years, we've been trying to reduce it and clear it, and we are within a gnat's whisker now of getting to that point where we can say, kiss goodbye to it and say, yeah, we're, we're there, we're completed at long last. We've paid off the mortgage. Our current net debt stands at 83,000. You may say that's not that much of a gnat's whisker, or that's a very fat gnat's whisker, depending on how, how you see things. Over the last 20 years, I guess, as a church, we've given over £2 million, so it feels like a relatively small last stage. And we're bringing it to you and saying, wouldn't it be great to get that cleared completely? Um, and you may go, oh, that's a very big gift week then, Andrew. If I'm doing the maths right, that's about £100,000 you're looking for. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great just to get it out of the way, get it done? Now, you know, historically, our gift weeks have been smaller than that, and if we need to do a second gift week in the spring, that's fine, we'll do that. Wouldn't it be great as we allow our Father to stir our hearts to be generous in all sorts of ways with our lives, and please do, do fill in the whole card, not just the financial part of it. But for those of you who feel a stirring in your heart, yeah, I want to give to this gift week, you can do that and you can make a pledge. You can use the, the, the gift week envelope, which is under every other chair as well, or you can just put it on the card, whichever you want to do. If you've got cash with you, stick it in an envelope. If you haven't filled in a gift aid form, that would be really helpful there over on the table uh, over to, uh, near the exit doors. Do you know the most important thing, though, here is heart not amount. So I just want to encourage us to pause for a moment, come to God and surrender our heart to him and say, Lord, how much would you have me give? How else would you have me serve, give in the life of the church? Help me to be generous with my life. 
So I'm just going to pray that over us now. Father, we see your phenomenal generosity. We call it the grace of God. That we who were alienated from you, lost from you, out of relationship because of our sin and shame, are brought into your family because Jesus comes and he comes and he dies on the cross for us. And if that wasn't enough, (laughs) as he ascends to heaven, he sends his Holy Spirit to be amongst us to enable us to live this life you've called us to. And we want to say thank you, Father. We're so grateful. And Lord, we want to give of what you've given us. We want to use our lives for your glory. Help us to do just that. So lead us, guide us, direct us as we seek to respond at this moment. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. And so we'll take up an offering in a couple of minutes. First of all, uh, we're going to have the band back, please, if we can. We're going to do that. Take up our offering in worship. So you've got a couple of minutes to fill in the card. If you need a pen, rummage around on the floor under your chair. If you need the card or the envelope, they're all there, either on your chair or under your chair or under your next door neighbour's chair. Or work your way down the aisle until you, uh, the row until you find one. And then we're going to come and we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God with all that we have on the resources of our lives as well as our hearts and our minds as we come into this final song together. So when you're able, uh, if you're able, please stand and let's worship and delight ourselves in God. sing worthy of every song.
say thank you, thank you, thank you for your amazing love, for your grace and mercy. Thank you, you love us. Your grace transforms us. Your spirit dwells in us. And you provide for us in every possible way. Because you're a good, loving, heavenly Father. We surrender ourselves afresh to you today. Our great desire is your glory. We give our lives to you today. You be glorified in and through us, we ask. Amen. Amen. Uh, please stay standing just for a moment. Uh, can I say, if, if this morning you felt God speaking to you in any way and you would love someone to pray for with you, if you head down to the blue wall at this end of the auditorium, on the sort of front side, there will be folks there available to pray with you. In fact, if you're able to go and pray for people, can you start heading that way now? Uh, just so that folks know there's people there who are ready to receive them and welcome them and pray for them. Uh, because we don't want you to leave here if you know you need to meet with God on something. We don't want you to leave here without doing so. And we know God loves to meet with us. So prayer opportunity, head down there after the meeting, and that would be fantastic. And then I just want to highlight something which is coming up. Uh, it's, it's about a month's time. It's four weeks' time. Uh, these flyers are available on the table there. We did send an email out this week. It's called Faith-Filled or Faithful Parenting. And it's a course, uh, or a course, uh, it's morning, Saturday the 11th of November, 9.30 to 1 o'clock here on uh, the 11th of November, Saturday, 11th of November. You can pick up a flyer from the table if you haven't received one. You know, parenting is such an amazing privilege and opportunity. You may not even be married yet, but you want to start thinking about it. That's fine, come along. You may be married and have no children yet. And you're wondering, is that going to be part of our journey? Come along. You may have lots of children. You may have grandchildren as well. Come along. Let's learn together how, uh, uh, about God's desire. And God's, uh, um, let God equip us to be wonderful parents to the children he gives us. And even to other people in the church, which we can help each other grow up in God. So it's a great opportunity, 11th of November. Please think about coming along, pick up a flyer so you've got all the information. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's going to be refreshments being served out in the, in the uh, cafe area. Uh, let's enjoy fellowship with one another. And if you'd like prayer, don't forget, head down to the Blue Wall now. There are folks there ready, willing, able and equipped to pray with you. Thank you.